it's one thing to know that we have this new identity in Christ, but uh, but how do we how how does that work? How does that actually affect our lives? Um, and and just pra- a practical way to actually walk in that. Um, so first, I want to just two examples: uh, Ephesians five eight, and then also turn to First Corinthians six nine. And these are just two two examples of of the Bible giving a description of our new identity. Um, so I just wanted to look at those to see what the Bible actually says about uh, new identity. And, and this is just uh, a couple places out of a, a lot of places that, that explain just uh, that newness, that newness of life that, that God has put on us um, because of the finished work of Christ. Um, so Ephesians 5, 8. Um, this is, this is one that I think Faith says I talked about already, but um, it's one of my favorite identity verses that describe the, that newness, that transformation that we have in Christ. Um, so he says in verse, uh, Ephesians 5, verse 8, he says, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the, light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. So he starts out, it's like he does away with that first, that, that identity that, that used to define us. He does away with that. And then he explains our new identity. He says, you once were darkness. That means that at one time our whole hearts, our, our, our minds were darkened, our, our spirits were dead. Um, we had no, no uh, spiritual anything. We are just dead. So he's saying, that's what you once were, but now you're this. Um, and then if you look at 1 Corinthians 6, 9 <clears throat> through 11. So Paul's talking to the Corinthians. He says, uh, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revelers, revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And then he says this. He says, And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So again, you see Paul saying, this is what you were. He's saying, you were, all, he lists all these sins. And he says, these sins, these sinful attitudes and desires and, and mindsets are what used to define you. But now, that no longer defines who you are. But now what defines who you are is you're washed, sanctified, justified. Um, and I was talking to Faith about this the other day. I just, it was like in the morning because we were talking and I just thought of this verse, and so I just, I just kind of challenged us. I said, today, let's, I read this, and I said, let's just, how, how often do we spend our day thinking of ourselves as being washed, sanctified, and justified? Um, I feel like most of the time I go throughout the day just kind of subconsciously almost considering myself to be these, these, this, in this old identity. Paul talks about this old identity of, he says, you were once darkness, but now you're light. And he's saying, you were once uh, adulterers and idolaters and, and, and pretty much you were once sinners but now you're not and I think so often 
we can, we can even subconsciously without realizing it, just in our own mindsets, we just kind of consider ourselves to still be uh, sinful people that God is just kind of putting up with by his grace. We don't really think of ourselves as being washed and sanctified and justified. So I just challenge me and Faith that day that we would, by faith, just walk in that, walk out that day thinking of ourselves as, as this, as, as what God says we are. Um, so those are just two examples of identity. Um, <clears throat> and that, that all has to do with, that's not just something that we are um, on our own. All, all that is, is because of Jesus Christ. It's because of his finished work. That, that's just part of the, the package that, that we get with when Jesus died for us. He didn't just give us forgiveness of sins and freedom out of hell. He gave us a completely new identity, and that's, that's the gospel. That's, the gospel is the good news, and so sometimes I think we limit it to just that very first part, that he, he gets us, he gets us uh, freedom from the penalty of sin, but that's just like a small little part of, of the great, awesome fullness of what Christ has done for us, and I think this is a huge part of it. Um, just that new identity. And so, so again, it's not, this isn't just positive thinking. This isn't just try to believe that you're just this good, awesome person. You know, that's kind of a new age type idea that you just kind of believe that you're, believe that you're something, believe that you can do anything. And, and that's not what this is. This is just, this is a based on the facts of, of what we actually have in Christ. This is a spiritual reality that when we trust in Christ, by God's Spirit, He puts inside of us Christ. He puts Jesus in, is now inside us, and everything that Jesus is is inside of us. That's a spiritual reality. It's not. It's not positive thinking. It's not a, a yeah, whatever you'd call that. Um, it's just simply knowing what is true and believing it. Um, so why is this important? Why is this even? <clears throat> why does this even matter? Um, I think that this is a there's a divine order laid out in the New Testament to having victory, walking in victory, walking in victory over sin, um, over discouragement, over guilt, condemnation, uh, all these things that that define that Adam nature in us, that that the fallen Adam uh, part of us um, that is separated from God. We all have that part of us, um, that that old man, the flesh. Um, and I think the Bible lays out a, a way to walk in victory over that, to, to put that old self to death, and I think there's an order to that, and I think so often what we do is we'll, we'll, we'll start out our day saying, okay, um, I have this whole day, I have struggles before me, I have possible temptations, I have fears, I have whatever, um, I, need to, I need to start fighting against those right now, I need to get into battle right now and fight against those things, and, and there's some truth to that, but I think there's, there's a first step that we're missing. And I think this is the first step that, that we need to rest first. We, we first need to know who we are, and then we get into the battle, if that makes sense. So if you see in, that, uh, in Ephesians, like we just read, Paul says, he first says, this is the order all throughout the New Testament. He says, you are children of light, so walk in the light. He doesn't say walk in the light and try to be children of light. He says, First, know, get in your mind, believe that you are a child of light, and then walk in the light. 
And if you try to do it the other way around, it's not gonna work. And you're gonna struggle, you're gonna wonder why it's so hard, you're gonna wonder why it's not working out. And it's because you gotta, we gotta rest in Christ, we gotta rest in who we are first, and then we walk in victory. Um, we gotta fight from the place of resting in Christ. Um, and this is something that I know Sam teaches all the time, and, and we all know, but I think we forget. We forget constantly. And we, we, uh, Paul says in Colossians that just the same way that you receive Christ as Lord, so walk in him. And I think we receive that. We receive his grace, but then we kind of stray from it, and we start sourcing them from our own strength. Um, so I think this is important. Knowing our identity is important because of that order, that Paul lays out that order, that we must first know our identity in Christ, and then we can walk in victory. Um, I think it's also important <clears throat> because I think that we, uh, we are what we believe. You know, that, that, that phrase that says, we are what you are what you eat. Um, I think we are what we believe. I think if we, if we live our lives thinking, meditating, and, and considering ourselves to be slaves and strugglers. I'm just a struggling sinner. Um, I'm just a, a weak, helpless, you know, dirty man that, that thank God he's gracious, he's forgiven me, but I'm still just this weak, uh, you know, helpless sinner. Um, if, if we think that way, I think we're going to feel that way. We're going we're gonna to we're gonna relate to God that way. We're going to relate to other people that way. Um, and our desires are going to line up with, with who we're thinking we are. So, if I'm thinking and considering myself to be a slave, I'm going to act and think and feel and behave like a slave. But if we start by faith, looking at Jesus, looking at who he is, um, looking at what he's accomplished and freely given to us, and I, know, I start to know my identity in Christ, and, and I believe that I'm a son, I'm going to think like a son, I'm going to feel like a son, I'm going to desire like a son, um, so I think it's hugely important um, to do that. And, and I think it's uh, <clears throat> how we see ourselves. I'm learning this, um, walking this stuff out, learning this stuff, and then talking to faith about it and trying to figure out how to walk in this better. I'm uh, learning that the way I see myself as a Christian, the way I, I view myself and my spiritual condition is a direct... Uh, reflection, I think, of how I see God. So if I'm seeing myself as guilty, condemned, and weak, and just a struggling sinner, um, or, or put, put in there whatever, whatever faulty thinking, you, you know, that whatever false view of yourself you carry, um, put that in, in there. And um, those thoughts, I think, are a, a reflection of how I see God. So when, I, when I'm thinking that I'm just a condemned, guilty, whatever person, um, just a struggling sinner who just has to try to get by in this life and try not to sin, whatever, um, that's showing me that, that I'm not really seeing God accurately. I'm not really seeing him as my father. I'm not really seeing him as the one who gave, that, be, that became a man and died and freely gave himself for me. Because when I see him like that, when I see him as my father, when I'm seeing him as a God who loves me, truly loves me, um, then I think it's easy for us to think of ourselves as sons and to think of ourselves as washed and sanctified. But when we're seeing God wrong, it's really easy to think of ourselves in a wrong way. Um, 
Uh, this is probably kind of deep, almost psychological stuff, but but I just encourage you to just uh, pursue this stuff and, and and dig into this stuff personally, uh, uh, just discovering what what God really says about that that transformation that He's done um, in you and that that new identity He's given to you. I think it's so huge, so important. Um, so just uh, quick, um, how, how do we do this? How do we actually apply this? How do we walk, walk this out? Um, what does the Bible say about how we, uh, how we walk in this? Um, uh, Romans 6, actually turn to 2 Corinthians 4. Um, I'm going to jump around several places in there, but um, I'm sure you guys all know the verse in Romans 6 where Paul says, you must consider yourselves to be dead to sin, and alive to God, and I think that's that's the the, the most basic command and the most uh, simplified way that we're supposed to walk this out. He says you must consider yourself to be dead to sin and alive to God. So the way that we walk in our new identity um, is by considering it to be true, is by reckoning it to be true. Um, we look at what God says and we say, he calls me a son. So whether I feel it or, or whether I see evidence for that, I'm going to believe it because he says it. Um, so 1 Corinthians uh, 4, or 2 Corinthians, sorry. 2 Corinthians 4. Um, starting in verse 18. So he says, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. So Paul's saying, we look at things that are unseen, we don't look at the things that are seen. Um, now this will explain a little bit more. Now skip to verse uh, 7 in chapter 5. Now he says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Um, so, so the way to walk in our new identity, the way to actually to walk in any, any way that we're going to walk out the things that God has told us to walk out in the Bible, we have to do it by faith, not by sight. Um, God is always telling us things and saying, this is the truth. But then when you look around at reality, it's like you don't see evidence for it. When, when, I see in the, when I read in the Bible, God says, you're washed, you're sanctified, you're justified, you're a son, you're a child of light. My, my temptation is to immediately, I think all of our temptation is to immediately look inward and to be like, okay, well, what's the evidence for that? What, is this attitude good? Is this, is this mindset good? Am I loving this person enough? Am I, you know, to start looking inward and look for evidence. I'm like, okay, God, you say, you're, you say I'm a son, so I'm going to look around. I'm going to see if that's really true. And I'm going to look at myself. I'm going to look at my circumstances to see if that's true. And Paul here is saying that's not the way. He says we look at things that are unseen, not at the things that are seen. And he says we walk by faith, not by sight. Um, <clears throat> so Romans, uh, you don't have to go there if you don't want, but Romans, Romans 4 <clears throat> I think Abraham is a really good example of this. Uh, and I think it, this is a really good parallel for us of how to walk this out. So um, 
I'm just going to start reading in verse 13. Uh, For the promise to Abraham and to his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law. Actually, skip down to 16. Um, He says, that is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead, and he calls into existence the things that do not exist. Um, And this is kind of the key section. He says, in hope, he believed against hope, that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told. So shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith and he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead, Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. So this is, God gave Abraham a promise. He said, Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. I'm going to give you children Um, He gave this word of promise to Abraham. And in the same way, God's given this word of promise to us. He's saying to us, you are my my sons and daughters. You are children of light. Because of Jesus' finished work, you are dead to sin. It no longer has power over you. You are free. um, And you have spiritual completeness in Christ. It's yours. This is God's promise to us, just like it it was God's promise, God promised to Abraham. And look at look what Abraham did. Does it? It doesn't say that Abraham heard this. What well, it does say, Abraham heard this promise, and it says he didn't consider his own body, which was as good as dead. And I think that's exactly what I was talking about earlier. Is exactly what we can do when we hear these promises, um, and, and doubt arises in our hearts, and we start to consider the situation. We start to consider our own merit, our own abilities. And, and we say, again, God says, I'm a son. We look inwardly and we start con- to consider our own hearts. We say, well, I don't, I don't really act like a son. I don't really think like a son. I don't really behave like a son. So I don't really f- think I am a son or, or, or I don't really feel like it. Um, and this says that's, that's the exact opposite thing that Abraham did, and that's the exact opposite thing that we need to do. This says that Abraham knew. He knew that his body was as good as dead. God was telling him something, giving him a promise that was just absolutely impossible. There was no, no physical way that that was going to happen. And Abraham could have looked at that. He could have looked at his own wife. It says her womb was dead, and his own body was dead. He could have looked at that and be like, God, you're giving me this promise, but this is just... The, the situation, the circumstances are already impossible for that to be true. How can I believe that? Um, <clears throat> but this says that Abraham didn't do that. Instead, he simply believed what God had said because God is faithful, and Abraham knew that God is faithful. Abraham believed that God cannot lie, so if God says something, if God said something about him, he knew that was true, even though the whole situation 
all the evidence said the exact opposite. So Abraham did, I think, what Paul was saying to do in, in 2 Corinthians, where, where Abraham was looking at the things that he could not see. He was looking at the things that he did not see. Abraham could have looked and focused on uh, the things that he did see, but he chose to look at the things that he did not see. Um, and in the same way, that's how we're called to, uh, to walk out the entire Christian life and, and this, this stuff here is that um, <clears throat> we're called to take it, take this stuff, um, hear God's promises to us, and take it by faith. To not look around, not look at, uh, try to find evidence that, that proves that what God is saying is true. But we hear what God says, and we know it's true because God is faithful. Um, and I love how it says, this wasn't written for him only, but it is also, it says in, in the bottom of Romans 4, it says, it was written for us also, and it will be counted to us. So we're, we're children of Abraham to the extent, we're, we're like Abraham to the extent that we have that same faith as he had. Um, it says that it will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead, Jesus our Lord. Um, so that's, that's what this all comes back to. Again, I just, I can't stress that enough that this isn't, this isn't positive thinking. This isn't us saying, you know, we're just, we're, we're awesome. You know, you're great. You can do it. You know, that type of mentality. You see those posters that, that are just trying to boost human ego. That's not what this is. At the end of the day, this is, this is the only thing, the only way we can live the Christian life that gives glory to God. Because this is what gets all of the merit off of ourselves and it gets it onto Jesus and what he's done. When we, when we completely get our eyes off of anything that we have or anything we have to offer or can do, and we're completely resting on God's promises to us and, and what he's told us he's done for us in Jesus. Um, and so, <clears throat> yeah, I just love how it says that. It, it's not going to be, this isn't going to work only for Abraham, but this is going to work for us. This is, this is going to be, that same righteousness is counted to us who simply believe God's promises. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's just, just my encouragement from that is just that, that you would obey. In Romans 6, when Paul says, uh, <clears throat> he says, you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Um, that's a commandment that we can obey or we can disobey throughout the day. I think it's disobedience and it's, it's uh, insulting to God and Jesus when we're living out the day considering ourselves to be alive to sin, and we consider ourselves to be slaves. In our, in our mind, we're caring about ourselves as if we are still slaves, we're still powerless, we're still uh, uh, guilty. And, and, and some of us, you know, it, it's not like it's always that full, and it's just like we're just living in this constant state of that. But I think all of us have little pieces of that and little moments of that and little uh, periods of, of those moments um, and what that is, according to this verse, I believe, is it's disobedience. It's disobedient to not, to not uh, believe what God says about us, to not reckon ourselves to be who God says we are and to walk in that. Um, so my encouragement there is just to, to be obedient to that, to be by faith considering yourself to be who God says you are. Um, and I think uh, <clears throat> this, is, this is all just goes back to Jesus's, I, I just love this 
final words on the cross. He said, it is finished. Um, so he was saying nothing else needs to be done. Um, everything you need is, is complete. It's finished. I've given it to you. Receive it. Believe it. Walk in it. Um, so again, this is how we give glory to God is by taking God's promises to us, his promises to us in Christ, and resting on them in faith. So I'm going to pray real quick. <clears throat> Father, thank you, God, for uh, our completeness in Christ. Thank you for all of your promises, Lord, for uh, our new identity, Lord, that you have put in us by your spirit. You've put fullness in us. You've, you've given us every spiritual blessing in Christ. And uh, I pray that you would help us to understand that, to see that more clearly, uh, to walk in that more fully. And uh, just pray that you would or just open our eyes to know the things that you have freely given us, to walk in that, to walk in freedom and, and the victory, the, the power that is our inheritance in Christ.